Today on the Vergecast, we go through all the stuff Amazon announced at its event. Ring, Echo, Luna, a game streaming service, new Eros. We talk a little bit about the new iPad review, iOS 14, and the Fitbit Sense. Coming up now on the Vergecast. Support for today's show comes from Deloitte. What does the future look like? By melting business acumen and innovative technology, Deloitte can help you build the future only you can imagine. They can help engineer solutions for your business reality today and your vision for tomorrow to get you to a world where you don't just dream it, you build it. See how you can engineer advantage with Deloitte at Deloitte.com slash US slash engineering advantage. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business. It's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hello and welcome to the Vergecast, flagship podcast of ambient computing. Ooh. Remember the days when we would just talk about ambient computing and everything seemed fine? And we're yeah. Like, yeah. There'll be computers everywhere. And now we're like, what if there were less computers everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Neil Patel. I'm your friend. Dieter Bone is here. I'm your Huckleberry. Wow. Hi, everybody. Dieter brought a soundboard <laughs> this morning. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dan Seifert is here. I'm here. Hello. We... Uh, have a lot to talk about. Amazon had a gigantic event yesterday. That's why the show is coming out a little late today. We literally just had to go back and think about all of the things Amazon introduced yesterday. It was it was it was only like a couple dozen this year instead of like seventy five. It was it was Dieter and I live logged it, and about halfway through, I was like, we we gotta we gotta stop trying to keep up. <laughs> We're not going to be able to. Let's try a different approach. Uh, Dan, I believe you called it the Slamazon. It was, it was a lot. Slamazon 2020. Yeah. So we got a lot of that stuff to talk about. Also, uh, iOS 14 came out. iPad OS 14 came out. Dieter reviewed an iPad. Dieter is very late in an Apple Watch review, as people keep tweeting at us. Uh, but before we begin, as always, I'm just going to remind you, it has been 28 weeks since the president of these United States said there would be a website architected by Google. I mean, you like really complimented Google at that point. I really yeah. encourage you to go back and watch it. He's like, Google's been great. They're definitely doing this thing. There was a flow chart. 45,000 mm-hmm. Google engineers are going to build a website that you could go to and get tested. And that None of that exists. It's been 20, 28 weeks later is the status. Just honestly go back and watch that press conference. Think about how confident he was in saying that stuff and think about the reality of testing in this country today. Next to that, obviously, COVID remains the biggest story uh, in the world. We are covering it. Um, I encourage you to, to subscribe to Mary Beth Griggs' newsletter. Mary Beth is our science editor. She's got a new newsletter called Antivirus. She's tracking developments in COVID, particularly around vaccine research. Uh, there's a flood of that news is coming out. It's hard to keep track of it. A newsletter is the best way to do it. Go check that out, verge.com slash antivirus. Two stories I want to flag before we begin with the other stuff. Um, the argument about how the virus works and about how to communicate about vaccines is getting very heated. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're listening to the show, right, this is a show about science and engineering, 
fundamentally in making products, vaccines are a product. And virus transmission is like a, it's just science. It's like, here's how the thing works and here's how you solve the problem. Um, so the CDC had some guidance about the virus being an aerosol. They pulled it back. That is very politicized. And then communicating about the, how the vaccine will what work, what you might have to do to take it. You might need two doses. We have two stories on the site. One, one is about the CDC guidance. You should go read that for sure and understand how that communication is being subverted. And then understanding how we need to communicate about vaccines. Very important. Nicole has a story about that. So go check that stuff out. It is very important. The virus is, remains the biggest story in the world. The fight for racial justice remains one of the biggest stories in the world. Uh, that stuff colors everything that we do. But it's hard to just constantly talk about it. And there is a lot of tech news. So let's talk about some tech news. Amazon event. Very strange. Yeah. So, a little bit of an uh, infomercial. A little bit of an infomercial. <laughs> I actually um, talked to Dave Limp, who's the SVP of Devices and Services, after the event. Um, he seemed very tired, uh, but that couldn't be true because he didn't actually have to do an event live. But I guess he was speaking to a bunch of press before me. Uh, and um, I told him, like, you know, you could you you could have taken longer than 45 minutes to announce 20 products. Like, every, mm -hmm. every other company does. <clears throat> And he just said flat out, nobody wants to sit and stare at a screen for more than an hour. So I wanted to, I wanted to get it done fast. I appreciate that. Yeah. That's that's a man who has Zoom fatigue right there. That, <laughs> that's a man who spends his life on video conferences just making a decision about how I long his video conference will be. I believe it's probably Amazon Chime fatigue, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, they have a Zoom partnership. I bet they've been testing it on their Echoes. Uh, actually, one of the most under sort of under-remarked pieces of this event, just speaking of Zoom is they announced that, like, Fire TVs, you can plug a Logitech webcam into them, yeah. and they have a Zoom partnership, and soon you will have, like, the cheapest possible Zoom box available to you. Yeah. And they just they just glanced over it. I was like, wait, <laughs> hold on. Oh, it's over. It's gone. See you later. If, if we were still in our offices, uh, the number of people that would be – like marching into meeting rooms and chucking out the meeting system that we have there and just like <laughs> installing fire, fire TVs. TVs. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Um, but so I actually in my, I've, I've now set up my basement and so it has spaces in it. So I do different things in different spots, mm. which I, if you have the ability to do it, I highly recommend just cause you're not, you don't can't sit in the same place all the time. Like in your office, you move around in your home office. You're just rooted to one spot. So I, my horrible curved TV, like this yeah. legendarily bad curved TV, is now my Zoom monitor, and it's great. Except, oh, it's so it's two things that you hate in one. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I hate you, um, but it's great because I've mounted my little RX100 in front of the TV, so it looks oh, like because it's looking so small, it doesn't block anything because you got a huge screen and well, a tiny camera. Well, blocks one person on the Zoom grid, so I'm always deciding. <laughs> Who it's like it's a combination of who I, I will, it will appear that I'm looking at when I speak to them because yeah. you know it's not perfect, but then also who I will not see. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot, but I if you have a cheap old TV just like lying around that you don't see with, and mm -hmm. you can plug like a thirty nine dollar Firebox into it with a USB port and a Logitech webcam, like that suddenly makes the Zoom working from home. I promise you, putting Zoom on a, a much larger screen. And getting far away from it changes your entire relationship to the thing. Yeah, getting far away from it is the thing. I actually had a, a, a 
executive at a big company uh, like hit me up after I had posted my DSLR setup. And he's like, that looks great, but what you really need to do is sit five feet away from it. Trust me. And I was like, cool. <laughs> when I have an apartment that allows me to move five feet away from my desk, <laughs> I will do that. Yeah. <laughs> this is why everybody should move just far away into the woods. But I, th- these are my two work from home tips after all these months of the pandemic. One, create different spots for different tasks. Even if you're just moving three feet, like the place where I have meetings is literally three feet to my left. It's not that far away, but it's just a different spot. Um, and then get just, if you have an old TV or a big monitor, just like set that up for zoom and then go really, really far away from it. Do you have to argue with your wife as to who's booked the meeting spot? Just like that real in office experience of, Oh no, someone's in the meeting room right now. I got to find another spot. Uh, <laughs> I should I should really really introduce that back into our lives just to add that little bit of office friction into the home office working uh, situation. No, she I means she's a lawyer, so she's on calls. So what I did, I got her AirPods, and she's like, "No, I'm not wearing these." So what you could do is you could go to check to see. The worst part about checking for a meeting is like walking up to the room and seeing somebody's in it. Mm-hmm. So you could buy a ring drone and oh fly God. it over there. All right, yeah, we should talk about this a bit. So, <laughs> let's see what Dieter's doing. Uh, well, I was it was partially related to the event. Um, yeah. So, just a lot. I will say that this, just like on a meta note, over the top. We've now seen yeah. all the big companies do it, right? Like Google basically was like, "We're not doing it." Here's some press releases. We've all, we're just going to tweet our announcements. Like, yeah. we don't want this. Attention. Although they do have something uh, on the thirtieth, uh, so we'll Which see we when they actually try what happens. But yeah. Um, Samsung OnePlus basically had fake live events, right? Here's what we would do if we had a big crowd, weird in its own way, but like tracked with what you had. Apple is producing infomercials. Like we should just be honest about what Apple events are now. Amazon, which actually produces infomercials. Like there are blink and ring infomercials on television right now. Yeah. Produced an infomercial. But they didn't stream it live. They like, didn't stream it live. That's yeah. a weird thing. It was like only us press got to see it. So, you know, you, the audience, had to follow our live blog and our coverage, which is great for us. We, we want you reading our live <laughs> blog, obviously. Yeah. But it was very odd that every other company has streamed their, their press events this year live to the public. So you could just go to YouTube and watch it. And Amazon was like, nope. Yeah. Not going to do that. And so that's a weird middle zone. But the one thing I will call out, none of the presenters were speaking to the camera. Mm-hmm. Like to, like to us, they were all speaking to some unknown interrogator just off screen. And it made it feel more like an infomercial than anything I've ever seen. Like, I was like, who are you talking to? Who are you explaining this to? Why do you keep saying you? Who is this person? It was very, very strange. Uh, but it got, it enabled, on the plus side, enabled Amazon to bring in a bunch of faces we haven't seen before, which is always good. We saw a lot of products. We got to start with this camera drone. Yeah. That was, I mean, it's the thing. So it's the Ring Always at Home Cam, which is quite a name. It's a yeah. drone. It's a drone <laughs> that sits in a little box, and it's it's shaped like a T, the drone. Like, it's a, it's a square, and then there's a vertical piece that comes down. That's where the camera is. The box has, a like, a hole. And so when the drone lands, the, the, t, the stem of the T goes into the box, and it just looks like a cube. And then the thing takes off and flies. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, imagine like in a Greek myth that there were a box with problems in it and then, (laughs) (laughs) and then it opens. Yeah. So this, this, this camera, 
uh, flying drone camera, I think, elicited more reactions from people. I mean, that's what they wanted it to do. So yeah. for, I will, a thing to understand about it is that right now it's vaporware. And I, right. I, the, there are people who made it and they're on Twitter and one of them tweeted how proud he was to people. I'm sure they've worked on it. I'm sure there's, there's a physical product somewhere. Well, and also it's not like there's any impossible technology in there. Like there's nothing there that couldn't have been built two, eh, at least a year ago, probably two years ago. Right. Sure. But the, the, it's not, if you look on amazon.com, they're not selling it yet. Right. No one, we have not seen one fly. Like the pieces, I feel confident calling it vaporware. Like they announced a thing. It looks really cool. We're confident Amazon can build it, but we haven't seen one. They're not selling it. We don't know its specs. We don't know its battery. Life. Like the number of things we don't know make me confident. Also, just historically, Amazon has very flashy, flashily announced drones. Remember Prime Air? Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I, you know, there's like some history here. But, I, you know, they announced it. They got the the hype bubble that they wanted around it because it's cool. And then the questions about, why would you want Ring of all companies, which has all like, like Ring has had stories where contractors in other countries have just been logging in and watching Ring cameras. Yeah. That's like a real thing that's happened. They've had other security lapses. They have this partnership with police departments that seems a little Fourth Amendment-y. <laughs> you know, like you make the argument about that. But it's just, it's, it's got, you know, it's got that, it's got some Fourth Amendment vibes to it. Um <laughs> Do you want the police to have unfettered access to a camera in your home? Like, that's a open question. Um, and do you want, like, I don't know, do you want Jeff Bezos to be like, I'm going to take a fly today and just, like, fly around your house? Yeah. Let's um, see what you need to order from Amazon. Oh, you're running low on paper yeah. towels. Uh, <laughs> at the same time, it's cool as hell, right? Like, it's super sci-fi to say, I'm not at yeah. home. I, I, I'm worried I left the stove on. I'm going to fly my drone over to it. Yeah. Right? And then do nothing about it. The ad that they made was the most infomercial thing I've ever seen. Yeah. You know how the, in infomercials people are like, oh, my God, I can't handle all this pasta. I need a solution oh, for no. this. They, <laughs> <laughs> they had this, this, you know, like prototypical like thief with a knit cap, like open the door. And then like in the middle of the, the day, guy, by the way, the, the guy looked like take- a bassist in an indie band. I'm sorry. <laughs> Nothing about him was intimidating. And he was scared off by a drone. He literally said, Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I have a feeling uh, like, like that's exactly the reaction ring wanted to that video yeah. because it like, yeah. you know, it takes the scariness down quite a bit in a notch when you're just laughing at the bumbling yeah. crook breaking into yeah. the house going, Oh no. But it, it, it it's, it's also hilarious. <laughs> well, so, you know, it's funny rings entire like method of operation is to be scary or to scare you. Right. I mean, that's, you talk to the well, CEO of ring, like, they founded it they, for security. Yeah. They do this weird like TikTok of like heartwarming, scary, heartwarming, scary, right? Yeah, yeah. I just if they had been like, we made a drone that can fly around your house remotely, uh, to see if you left your keys on the dresser, like the the panic of the thing goes away. Right. There are lots of reasons I would want to look around my house when I'm not in my house that have nothing to do with you know scaring away the drummer for a for a funk band like. I, <laughs> I just don't want this to happen. The um, number one reaction was, holy shit, this seems bad. The number two reaction was, my cat will destroy this. Like, lots and lots of pet reactions to this thing. Yeah, or or your pets will be terrified. Like, yeah. again, and I think this is part of the 
part of the reason they announced it was to get all these reactions mm-hmm. so that when they actually announce it, right, and they give it to people and they message it out and they we have review briefings and we have all of these questions that they're prepared. So in that sense, I think it is very smart. In the other sense, it's I think, Dieter, your piece went up just before we started recording. They just keep pushing the boundary, right, yeah. of what is what is acceptable to have a giant corporation with computers you don't own in your house. And that, you know, and on some level, it's like we talk about big companies all the time. Like, yeah, I would want just the three or four big companies that are a little bit responsive as opposed to some fly-by-night operation where I can't, I can't see into their yeah. cloud services. You know, like – we have some layers of trust inside of Amazon. We know how it works. We know who the people are. We know they're not going away. Yeah. They're definitely That's not true. going away. They're on not, the flip they, side, they don't need like, to sell the data. They they make plenty of money in other ways. Yeah. They're definitely um, so, going to use that drone to be like, you're out of paper towels. Like, that's yeah. going to happen. Well, but, um, so, like, the, the problem that I have here is with this drone particularly, but with, like, all of Amazon's creepy products. And this is, like, what I tried to get in the piece, and I don't know if it, I managed it or not. But, like... Every time Amazon announces a creepy thing, you're like, well, but what about, like, the, your very first, but what about, they have an answer for. So for the drone, it's like, but what about hackers? They're like, well, you, you can't actually remotely control it. It doesn't have that capability. It, like, blah, blah, Okay, but what about privacy? Well, the cameras are, like, in the in the box, in the Pandora's box when it's, like, set down. Also, it's really freaking loud, so you'll know when it's looking at you. <laughs> it's, what, was the, what was their line? Privacy you can hear. It's privacy you can hear. <laughs> Which is a great line. Yeah, I want to really commend them on this line. Yeah, that is so not it's how privacy also, works. It's also a great way to spin the fact that a drones are noisy and they didn't do anything <laughs> to like make it less noisy. Uh, now it's a feature. Oh, yeah. well, you can hear it, so it's you know when it's yeah. recording you. I just like the idea that you'd be in your house and you would hear like this tiny plastic drone just like roar to life. You'd be like, "Oh, my privacy is being invaded. <laughs> <laughs> I should go see what's happening." <laughs> The problem is, that, like, I, I, the, pro- the the reason I have a hard time knowing what to feel is every time they announce something creepy, like, there's a list of six but whatabouts, and they have an answer for those six, and then you're like, well, now I'm exhausted. I don't know what to worry about next. And then, like, a million people buy the thing and install it in their house, and then six months later, you're like, oh, wait, I figured it out, and it's, like, too late. Yeah. So th- I think that's the drone. The drone, like I said, is I am sure it's real. I'm sure the people who are excitedly tweeting about having worked on it actually did some work mm-hmm. still vapor right we have to get it they have to yeah. ship it okay it, it, i think it's a good what's the thing i'm looking at it's a good symbol of all of the problems right there's a better word than symbol just tweet Synec- it cynic do- whatever it's uh, how it's wow. pronounced yeah uh, okay that's, it's that. that's the it's word that word yeah there's it's a, a small thing a that's representative of the big thing yeah that's right that's yeah. the word yeah. was there a movie i don't about know how to pronounce it though <laughs> Oh, well, if you know how to pronounce it, just tweet an audio memo, Dieter. <laughs> we'll, oh, we'll take it from there. Uh, the the one that's real, really, really real, is Sidewalk, which, Dieter, when you said a million people will install it, yeah, right. Sidewalk is a mesh network that only works if a million people install it, only works if you can get that massive installed base and the network effect of literally building uh, an un, like a network on the unlicensed 900 megahertz band to do location tracking, all this stuff. You've been thinking about sidewalk for a long time. Just walk people through what it is. So uh, on a a basic level, it's a mesh network. And if you want to know where you left your keys, you have one of those little sidewalk tiles attached to it. And uh, all of the the nodes in the sidewalk network are like, where are the keys? Where are the keys? And the keys are like, I'm here. And then it securely lets you know where the keys are. 
right? So it's kind of like how tile works, where tile, like any any iPhone can see a tile, uh, but you it, you can't like but it's still secure, right? So it's a way to locate something through a mesh network. Um, and they're using that 900 megahertz spectrum, which means that it's like completely unregulated. They can go about half a mile with it. And they also can actually transmit data more than just location. So they can send out little IoT controls, right? Um, they can, I don't know if it's quite big enough bandwidth for like a full camera feed, but it's like in that zone, right? Um, and so what Amazon is doing is they're just building uh, gateways for Sidewalk into their most popular products, into the Ring products and the Echoes. And they will, I don't know if this, if this is public or not, but they are also going to make a little cheap gateway if you just want a Sidewalk gateway to control your cameras or whatever smart home gadgets you've got that run on Sidewalk. And what's going to happen, it's launching this fall, but what's going to happen is this thing is going to basically blanket cities within, I don't know, a year, honestly, because it's just in all the stuff that people are just buying and so they're going to have this mesh network of things that can do IoT things blanketed across, you know, densely populated areas in very, very short order. Um, and that's cool, right? Because now all of a sudden, if you want to, say, have a uh, car computer that can detect car crashes in your car, like Ring makes, and you don't want to have to pay Verizon a $10 monthly fee for a stupid thing that you plug into your ODB port. Like Neelai does. Like Neelai does, <laughs> you can buy this $60 gadget from Ring that does that and uses the sidewalk network. And without paying a single dime to a carrier, this thing is able to communicate anywhere in a densely populated area. So, this is Amazon's. What I think is important to understand about this is compared to Zigbee, which is also in a bunch of Amazon products they announced, yep. which is the, I don't know, the the Goliath of like smart home networking standards, right? It's just yeah. there. It will never be better. It will never be worse. But <laughs> if you buy, if you buy any number of light switches or smart things stuff, mm -hmm. right? There's this low power networking standard and you need a hub and the hub bridges between Wi-Fi yeah. and this thing, but that is your network. Right. Right. Zigbee is your network. You've set it up. It's your Zigbee network. Everything gets authenticated to it. It's yours. Somebody walks by with another Zigbee device and it just pop up on your network. Yeah. Sidewalk is a mesh network, a public network. So I've got a semi public because like it's everything that happens on it is private. You can't like go dip into it. Like everything is like in a secure tunnel, right? So you can't go dip in and say, I want to talk to that thing over there like you can on the web or the internet. There's no, you know, everything has to like be authenticated to talk to another thing. And then sure, Amazon, I, yeah. I'm getting at the point if you drive by my house and you see my Wi-Fi network, you know, the password, there's no chance you're ever connecting to oh, it. Oh, correct. Yeah. Sidewalk is made so that if you're coming by your, I'm driving by your house yep. with my car, I get in yep. a car accident, yep. my car, my ring car computer uses your sidewalk signal yes. to communicate. Right, and Amazon has, like, one of the things they seem to think people are worried about is that people are going to, like, have to pay a lot of bandwidth for somebody else's sidewalk network activity. So they pay, place strict caps on the amount of data that sidewalk nodes are allowed to transmit and receive. I okay. mean, that's, like, hilarious. Yeah. Like, of all of the problems with this that you are worried about, <laughs> someone like going driving over around. your Comcast data cat because there's been too many car crashes is, like... Very low on the list. <laughs> whole whole new meaning to war driving. Yeah, uh, yeah that's horrible. Uh, wow. That's horrible, man. Um, so, but that's like, that's one of those things where it's just happening when you buy an Echo. It's enabled. Yep. It's enabled by default. I assume. You can turn it off, but you, you can can't turn it like, off, but it's yeah. on. Yeah. 
and like most what's that screen going to look like <laughs> enable sidewalk to track your device like you know what it looks like. You can well, see in a year, there'll be head. a privacy freak out. And then six months after that, they'll enable you to ask Alexa to turn it off, yeah. which is how they do these Can't things. Can we just skip to the end? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't they see the steps? Um, so that's a big deal. I mean, that's like an Amazon encroachment that, I mean, you should read your piece today. But between right, the cameras, there is a test balloon to see. And mm-hmm. then Sidewalk was a test balloon. No one paid a lot of attention to it. And then this year... Here it is. It's just in all the stuff. And I think we should talk about the, these car uh, computers. The fact that they made this car adapter that will be useless unless there is a sufficiently built out sidewalk network around you is a statement of purpose. Like they're now mm-hmm. selling a product that mm-hmm. only works if that if sidewalk is deployed at scale. Yeah. If you if you if you just if it this if the network never happens, it will work for like car break-ins when it's sitting in your driveway. The end. But like that's mm-hmm. not what they intend for it. Yeah, I mean, so I do pay Verizon for one of these. It's medium to bad, whatever. It's Verizon. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean it. It has a pretty user interface. It's useful, useless, and it it is connected. So if the car gets in an accident, like something happens. Um, but the one that it replaced was a company called Automatic. They made it was very popular. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we were talking about Apple. They just sort of wandered into the uh, the space of kid trackers with the iPhone, and they're just going to crush that space. This one from Ring, if it works, will just crush the space of connected car trackers. Now, it's got to work. Sidewalk's got to be deployed. But Automatic was bought by SiriusXM, which never made any sense. Why did the radio company buy a car tracking company? And the only thing you could get to was there's a lot of serious radios in cars. And that that was it. Like somebody put that deck up, and they're like, "We should own more car stuff." And they're like, "Yeah, buy that company." Well, did they? And, was and the like, They're like, "This was a bad idea." They shut it down. Was the plan to like build that technology into every serious radio? Like we're already we already convinced every car to put a stupid ass fit on the roof, <laughs> and so <laughs> yeah. we might as well do this. Well, too. anyway, I'm just saying like that as a standalone product. That company, even inside a serious, failed, and they just like went away. Yeah. And then all the carrier ones are just like medium to bad. Right. So Ring comes in, they make one. It can detect car crashes. It can hopefully do some, hopefully it has a better user interface with Amazon. Right. Like, but it's dependent on this network. And I think that's a really interesting place for Amazon to go. Um, and, you know, the way they sold it was these are Ring products. So they're about security. And so people are worried about their cars getting stolen or broken in. Dash cams are very popular in lots of countries are medium popular in the United States, but in other countries are very popular. They announced a dash cam that records the inside and the outside of the car. If it senses a break in, it'll automatically start recording. It does have an LTE modem, so it will send footage. I mean, this stuff, they're expanding sort of the remit of ring. None of these devices have like Alexa, right? Like they're not made to be echoes. Like there is an echo auto, but these are security devices that ring made in a car. Right. Yeah, I think uh, they'll they'll work with Alexa and like you can uh, with the especially with the dash cam like you can there's a thing that I'm sure we'll talk about where you can say Alexa I'm being pulled over and it will start recording and uploading that footage to the cloud. So there's got to be we 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 ha- this is another one of those things just like the drone where there's not coming until next year we haven't actually seen physically seen the products and stuff like that but there's got to be some microphones on there that are listening for Alexa voice commands mm-hmm. uh, and it, it interacts that way but it's not meant to be used as like. Alexa play Taylor Swift. Like that use case is very different and not really what these are designed for. Like you said, these are designed as security products. They're very much the ring mentality and not the echo 
home assistant mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, so that, that thing, it's remarkable that Amazon announced the dash cam and the only use case beyond someone's breaking into your car that they suggested it would be good for was being pulled over, alerting your family to the fact that you're being pulled over and then recording the cops. Right. I would, I would suggest that as a watershed moment in it, like consumer technology history. And obviously we just published an entire package on recording the police. So maybe it's more resonant with, with me and us, but that is, I think as a advertised use case, uh, for a huge technology company that has itself wanted Pentagon contracts, right. Is like actively try to get them. Um, I think it says a lot about what we think cameras and cars are for, right? It, it wasn't it's, a lot of, there was no mention of if you get into an accident, you're going to call your insurance company. Right. right? And like, that's which is the, the usual dash cams, cam. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's like dash cams have been pitched on. Like you're trying to make sure you're not getting in an insurance scam. Someone's nailing you and you have footage of evidence of what happened. This pitch is wildly different. It's, you know, make sure you're not, or, or if you are getting, receiving, you know, some sort of abuse or something from uh, authorities and police that you're getting footage of it and recording it and, and as more of a safety factor. Yeah. And I it just, that's usually remarkable. Like I just think about where we've come for Amazon to just be comfortable saying that this is what we're doing. And everyone to be like, yeah, that makes sense. Like watershed moment. The dichotomy th- of course being rings, very close partnerships with police departments and ring being like a tattle on the police departments through this. Yeah. It's just, it's just that conflict is like glaring and wild. To, you you got to own both sides of the supply chain. You got to create the create. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, do you think the police departments will get fourth amendment here on footage of themselves? See fourth. It's just the <laughs> ring, the fourth amendment just crashing into each other. Uh, and then there was the, the third one that they announced, um, which is, they announced it as a product, but as a product, it requ- it's a it's a little USB stick yeah. called the Ring Car Connected Car API, something. Right now, cars have lots of cameras on them. So if you have backup cameras, you have other cameras. If you have lane keep assist or adaptive cruise control, you've got other cameras in your car that are helping you do that. So they said, well, we can just use those cameras, plug in this USB stick. Uh, they'll work with Ring, and suddenly you've got uh, – you're using all of your cameras for security purposes. Yep. This is a beautiful idea. And of course, the only company they announced a partnership with was Tesla. The only company Tesla that knows the, how to like issue a software update to a car. The company, <laughs> yes. The only company that just think about the steps of that, right? You're going to find a USB port in your car that will be useful. Big, big step. And then that, <laughs> and then that USB port will be reprogrammed to access data from all the cameras which are all now running through one computer system. Yeah. And you'll have some interoperability. That's yeah. not, this is not Ford. Can't do that. I promise <laughs> you. Uh, so they announced it with Tesla, any, any sort of new Tesla, you plug it in, your Tesla cameras can now be used as part of your ring system. I think that is yeah. so cool. It's piggybacking off of Tesla's existing sentry mode. So you need to have sentry mode on your Tesla, which I think most all the recent models have, but that is Tesla's own little security thing. You turn that on, and when you leave your car and it will record, you know, around it. And so basically Ring is tapping into that, taking those feeds, sending them up to Ring systems. You can see them in the Ring app and so on and so forth. But I don't know of any other car that offers that, to be honest with you. Anything close to sentry mode. Yeah, and I think this is one of those, like, it would be cool if my Tesla worked with my Ring and it's all on the same app. So now it does. That's that's neat. I just, 
the idea that they're going to walk into Fiat Chrysler and be like, Hey, let's, uh, <laughs> how many USB ports are in your car? And like, and they're going to push that. You can like, it's never going to happen. Um, but I like the idea that the car companies, the way, the way the car companies were pushed to support CarPlay. Yeah. I like the idea that these sorts of devices, they will get pushed to eventually support it. So I think that's all of the rings. Well, stuff. there's one more super important one, and it ties into this idea that Amazon announces creepy thing, Amazon announces answer to the creepy thing. And that is, they're on this journey to like actually secure ring cameras instead of just letting people reuse their passwords on them. And they've taken the next step. Dan, you, you wrote about this. Can you like fill yeah, us in real so quick? So basically that next big step is they are going to bring end-to-end encryption on the video feed, which means yeah. that it will be encrypted on the camera side, and the only way that you can decrypt it is basically with the mobile key, the key that's in the mobile app on your phone. Uh, it is generally considered the most secure way to transmit things. Right now, Ring says its stuff is encrypted. It's not end-to-end encrypted, so it's the like next step of that. Um, but that's going to break certain integrations that exist. Um, like I think something like the Tesla Car Connect might not work if it's end-to-end encrypted because it's being shared through a different system. Uh, things like accessing your Ring camera feed on an Echo Show device is going to break. Things like sharing your footage um, is going to break. So uh, it's it's a higher level of security. They are not going to be enabling it by default. You'll have to turn it on uh, because it will change the experience a little bit. But if you want that security there, I know it's something that people have criticized Ring for a long time and have been asking for for a long time. And so they're enabling it. I think the other part of this announcement that's also very interesting and and addresses a lot of the criticism that's come against Ring is that they are also allowing you to turn off the neighbor's feed in the Ring app. Uh, The neighbor's feed is like the most controversial thing inside the app, outside of the police partnerships. Uh, And it is, uh, if you buy a Ring product, you are basically automatically entered into it and you can't really escape it. Now they're giving you an opt-out option so that you don't see the feed, you can't contribute to the feed, so on and so forth. So they are, like you said, Dieter, they do this really creepy thing, and then they like roll it back 6, 12, 18 months later. They give you the options for it. I'm happy to see that they are addressing these criticisms, and, and yeah. they are giving you options. Um, I know that, like, Neil and I have talked about this a ton. If you want a doorbell camera, the best one on the market is Ring, and it also comes with like all this baggage of the neighbors app and the police partnerships and all this stuff. So like there's that real conflict there. If you want to ring camera, you'll be able to opt out of neighbors. You can already opt out of the police partnerships. It helps you make some more choices as a person buying a thing and gives you a little bit more control over what yeah. it's doing and where that footage is going. Yeah. If you're not familiar with the neighbor's feed, imagine your Facebook feed that's filled with people saying, I'm mad about this news article and I'm afraid of this person that doesn't look like me. Imagine that, but for your neighborhood. I'm mad about this person's messy yard and I'm afraid of this person that walked by and my camera. And here's a video clip of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, here's a video clip of the person that I'm mad at in my driveway. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, now that's the that's worst the possible feed. interpretation. Like, it, it does in some cases, like... They bring argues that it like knits communities together and you get to meet your neighbors and blah, 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 blah. But there's like there's definitely like a unforeseen consequences of an algorithmic feed uh, being inflicted upon you with content you weren't expecting it's sort of vibe to it. So that that's all true. And it's very serious. <laughs> My neighbor, I'm in the woods now, like I yeah. just live in the woods. My neighbor's feed is just people seeing bears. Like, oh. Literally, it's like I saw a bear on my ring camera. <laughs> and we all talk about what, whether we saw just, a bear. You just opened up your phone and instead <laughs> so of seeing it's horrible a very news stories, it's like bear. <laughs> yeah, it's like there was another bear today. 
Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of neighbors and money you put your trash away. But in more <laughs> more densely populated areas, all those concerns are very true. Um, so that's the ring stuff. By the way, you know that thing about uh, you turn on internet encryption and experience changes? I find the whole, like, I'm going to tell my Echo Show to show me my ring camera integration to be so slow as to be useless. Mm. I disagree. So, I use it all the really? time. Because really? I'm working, working from home. My yeah. office is like on the lower level of the of the the house. I often have headphones on. If a doorbell rings and like a delivery is there or something like that, I don't know what happens. So what I've got an Echo Show like right there. Someone rings the doorbell, it brings up the video feed like within you know five to ten seconds. And I can be like, oh, my delivery arrived, and I can go get it. Like I don't use yeah. it to interact with the person. I think that is like the weirdest thing to do to talk to someone through a doorbell. But I do use it as like. Oh, someone actually rang the doorbell and like, you know, my neighbor's at the door and they're, they're asking something or, you know, the uh, package arrived. So like, I do find that useful. So like turning on end end encryption would break that experience for me and not be something that I'd probably want to do because of that limitation. But I'm saying 10 seconds is too slow when the keyboard player from the strokes is breaking into your house. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I'm saying. Like that 10 seconds to me is like way too long. Right. Like the doorbell rings and like you're just sitting there and you have like, I don't know, it's I'm going to turn. We'll split it. I'll turn it on. You'll you'll you'll, yeah. you'll keep <laughs> being robbed by various indie <laughs> musicians. It'll be great. We're going to take a break. We still have more Amazon stuff to talk about. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right. So we talked a lot about Ring. It's funny we talk. It's an Amazon hardware event. We haven't even talked about the Echoes yet. Yeah, new Echoes. They look radically different. Dieter, walk us through. They're spheres now. The Echoes are spheres. The regular Echo is a big sphere, and the Echo Dot is a small sphere. And you can get a, a, a small sphere with a clock on it if you want. They just, they just, they just made them into 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 balls. That's what and they the, did. So do they all have sidewalk? Oh, uh, yeah, actually, I gotta check. Uh, okay, <laughs> what are the sidewalk bridges? According to Amazon, <laughs> Ring Floodlight Cam, Cam Wired, Ring Cam Mount, uh, Echo, second generation, third generation, Echo Dot with Clock, third generation, Echo First, Echo Dot First, second and third generation, Echo Plus, first, second generation, Echo Show, first, second generation, Echo Show 5, Echo Show 8, Echo Show 10, Echo Spot, and Echo Studio. So, so that's all like of them. Everything the but echoes. the first generation Echo. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that kind of undoes my theory. <laughs> about why there's spheres. So oh, my theory, theory, 
Well, so what what drives a hardware upgrade cycle? We know the answer. It's making it look different. So you make it look radically different. You make it a sphere. You make it look nicer. And people will upgrade. And then they'll get sidewalk. But that undoes my theory because everyone's getting it whether they want to or not. I mean, they, they, uh, they, they still change the looks so people buy it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Amazon's answer to this was um, they saw the uh, the reaction to the original uh, Sphere, the Echo Spot that had the little clock face on it. And people loved it. Like, oh, we should make everything a Sphere. That'll be fun. Um, they also claim that they can get better sound out of it because they realize that most people aren't sticking their Echoes in the middle of the room. So they don't really need 360 sound. Um, they still have it, but they don't need, like, they actually want better sound at the place where, you, where it's directed to the front because most people do stick it in a corner or against the wall. So the sphere lets them like change the shape of the the speakers and the direction of the speakers to get better sound for the way that most people use them. That's their claim. I think the more likely answer is what Neil said that just like Apple redesigned the iPod Nano every year to make you buy one, um, they redesigned the Echo. Yeah, I mean they went from a fabric covered cylinder to a fabric covered sphere, and it looks cool. The yeah. one thing I don't like about it is they move the light ring to the bottom, which in their videos makes it seem much more apparent because it's shining off the, the surface of the thing it's sitting on. But what's the main thing I want to know from any of my smart speakers is when is it listening and having the light ring at the top and having it be the most prominent design feature, which it has been for a lo- the longest time was good. And now it's at the bottom and like, I don't know. Well, again, we have to actually see them. Maybe it is way more prominent because it's lighting up the surface it's on. That's what they're, but the, on the, in the videos, it's all on like white surfaces. So like if you put this on a black granite countertop, like, are you going <laughs> to, um, so I think that's really neat. The new echo show is really neat. It has a motor in the screen. It kind of, it reminds me of the old IMAX G4, the sunflower IMAX G4. Uh, so you like, it follows you around. Like you yeah. talk to it and it'll like, it'll swivel to you and show you stuff, which I think is so cool. Uh, and they made a lot of big claims about how the motor is very, very quiet. Yeah. Dan, what's that? How does that work? So it uses uh, the camera on there. It uses some computer vision algorithms. It also uses Amazon's existing audio locating system. So like when you speak to an Echo speaker, kind of knows where your voice is coming from through those algorithms. This takes the next level with computer vision and it like finds the shape of a person. Amazon told me that they're not doing facial recognition. They're not doing any identifying things. They're just looking for shape of a person. And then that image that is used to create that shape is, is immediately discarded. But Basically, what it does is when you say Alexa at this thing, the thing will swivel around to wherever you are and face you. Uh, it's a lot like that Jibo robot that was, you know, a massive failure, but beloved by so many people that did buy it. Uh, but it's minus the personality of that. It is still just an Echo Show and it does the Echo Show things. It's just like if they told me there that like most people are using these in the kitchen, they're moving around the kitchen, they're cooking recipe, preparing meals, doing dishes, what have you, they're not always like right in front of the device. And so if you're making a recipe and the screen is showing you the steps on the recipe, as you move around, you go to the fridge, you go to the stove, etc. it'll just kind of make sure that you can see what the next step is. And then it also uses this for video calling. So uh, just like Facebook's portal that does digital pan and zoom to keep you in the frame, no matter where you move around, this is doing that and then it's also got that motorized base that will swivel to to keep you in the shot. So it's kind of neat. I think it looks wild. 
Uh, like you said, uh, Nilai, it's, it's like that iMac, but then it's also like the Jibo. <laughs> and it's like yeah. this blend of the two. Uh, so I'm, I'm very interested to try this out. Uh, I use an Echo Show in my kitchen all the time. We use it to manage our grocery list and timers and smart home stuff and whatever. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see if this makes the experience any better or if it's just a neat party trick. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm looking at you. The audience can't see this, but I'm looking at Dan and I can see that behind you, Dan, is a Nest Hub with pictures of your family on it. (laughs) And it's like Amazon's failure to just make a good photo service is what will keep Nest Hubs in everyone's house because they're by far the best photo frames on the market. I'll say this. I'm not going to have two of these in my kitchen and I'd rather have pictures of my kids than a swiveling Alexa. Amazon has a great cloud backup service with the photo service that it has. It does not have the... AI level that Google has to show you the pictures you actually care about when you want to see them. Like you have to manually program all that. And that's the smart stuff that makes the Google one so great. Uh, But yeah, I hear you. (laughs) It's just, it's just such a, like they run AWS. They, they're constantly talking about AI. Just like do the thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, It is to me, like what would make me switch from Google to Alexa? It's, it's that it's photos. And I think this hardware is cool. I think their hardware is, they have more hardware, right? The ring mm-hmm. stuff, the integration, like the car stuff. They have a broader suite of products and services. The hardware is cooler now in some ways. But the one thing I want is, I don't know why they haven't figured it out. Um, they have some voice stuff too. I thought this demo was really interesting yesterday. Again, I say demo. It was like absolutely an infomercial. We have no idea. If it, <laughs> uh, it was just like obviously scripted. Um but they had a demo where, where uh, uh, two people were having a conversation, and then one of them said, Alexa, join our conversation, and Alexa lit up, and they said, we want to order a pizza, and they Alexa went out and found a pizza, and then they ordered Alexis. By the way, Amazon just, like, insists on gendering Alexa as female. They keep referring to it as her, and once you listen to them do it enough, like, you start to do it, I encourage you not to do it. It's a robot. It's a robot that can speak in the voice of Samuel L. Jackson. It is definitely not a her. Um, It's just a robot. Anyway, so the two people ordered a pizza. They said, what are my options? They got all the way to ordering pizza, and they said, make it a large, and it went from a medium to a large pizza. And what they were supposed to demonstrate – oh, and then they asked it for a movie, and Alexa told them about movies. And what it's supposed to demonstrate is, uh, again, because we didn't see it live, what it is illustrating, not demonstrating, is – uh, Alexa has natural language capability. It can join a conversation. It can understand context. It knows that multiple people are talking to it and can distinguish between them. All this is very advanced. The demo was definitely a phone tree to order a pizza and then movie phone, which is like, <laughs> kinda, uh, you know, it's like all these demos are so advanced. And then the actual thing is movie phone is Welcome like, the movie phone. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the, the, the specific, sort of new thing where I think Amazon has an edge over even Google is like Google will let you say the keyword and then uh, ask a follow-up question and it'll and like have a slightly more natural back and forth. What Amazon is saying it can do is you start it with the keyword and then you can have that back and forth conversation where you don't have to keep saying the keyword over and over again. But you can also talk to somebody else in the room and the Echo knows whether or not you're addressing it. So I could be like, you know, Lexa, Order me a pizza. Hey, do you want pepperoni? Yeah, put pepperoni on it, Alexa. Hey, uh, what about olives? Yes, olives too. 
Uh, no, not, you know, like you can go back and forth and it supposedly knows whether you're addressing it or somebody else in the room. The which hilarious is very part advanced. of this is this is exactly how I order a pizza in my house. I call the pizza place <laughs> and then I'm shouting at my wife, which one are we getting? Okay. Are we getting half pepperoni? No. Okay. Uh, do you want a salad? Yes. Okay. Can we put a salad on it? Like that is the thing that happens every single time we order a pizza in this house. So like, It'd be kind of cool to have, have a you robot tried do that seamless? For me. It's a lot simpler. Like <laughs> visual user interfaces are very good at this. Uh, I, so that's the thing that I think is funny with all these demos. Like what we have described is a very complicated human computer interaction. Yeah. But to the the end that it is deployed, there is a much more efficient human computer interaction available. And like there's a reason movie phones out of business. Yeah. Like, no one wanted to listen to a list of movies. They just wanted to see a list of movies. So I think that, and I, I don't mean to denigrate the actual technology they built. I just think that there's a reason they demoed this on an Echo Show. And I again, I say demo. They illustrated it in their infomercial on an Echo Show. Because the Echo Show is presenting the information visually while it's talking to you. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, much better. And clear. Like, I honestly wonder, the main Echo, the Sphere... Do they think that's their main product or do they think the show is the main product? That's that's interesting. Um, when I spoke to Miriam Daniel ahead of the announcement, she's the uh, VP of Amazon's Alexa and Echo devices. Uh, the screens are quickly becoming much and much more popular, according to her, in terms of like sales, in terms of purchase and 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 really in terms of like usage time. People are using the screens more than they would use uh, an audio only one because there's that extra interaction level. Uh, so it's, I, I, I could quit. I could see three, four years down the road. The only audio only Alexas or echoes out there are the, the audio file ones for the echo studio and the really budget echo dot. And there's no middle Alexa because that one yeah. has a screen. Yeah. I think it, it just seems like that's converging. Like I much prefer seeing what the computer is doing and even in that the case of like ordering a pizza, mm-hmm. in just if you go, if Amazon ever releases this video, what I was watching was here's a robot listing things at me, and there's no chance that I'm a paying enough attention, or b will remember the first thing in the list. But and with a screen, actual, you can just touch it. If like you yeah. don't want to use the voice commands, it gives you more flexibility in how you're interacting with it, so it can become a more traditional touch interface, or it can be a voice commanded one or what have you. Uh, it, it's just, especially for complex things like was uh, illustrated uh, in the demo, a screen is is definitely going to be the better experience. Yeah. Uh, well, we, we we didn't think there would be much to talk about with Echoes, but there turns out there was more than we <laughs> turns thought. Turns out there's a lot. Amazon also just quietly announced a massive game streaming service. Wow. Called Luna. There's a controller. Yeah. Um, it you know it's built into Fire TVs as a channel that you can subscribe to. There's other channels. They are going to have Twitch integration because they own Twitch. There was like an extremely infomercial portion of this stream where like they brought in Twitch streamers and the Twitch mm-hmm. streamers all said the keywords that they were supposed to say. Like this is from Amazon. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. it was I get to like, take I, this home, right? <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh. that was the one that killed me. <laughs> you guys run this on AWS? It's like, nah, I don't. 
<laughs> no, thank you. I don't. I don't believe that any of this happened for real. Like, there's like somebody in the corner like waving hundred dollar bills and mouthing <laughs> the giant US. card. <laughs> like, That's how Twitch works, that right? The chat is every time someone <laughs> clicks a button, you get a hundred dollar bill. Yeah, it's just the AWS rep is like AWS, say AWS. Um, <laughs> but it is. It, it, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but it's like. This is the moment of game streaming services. Last year was the moment of TV streaming services. And this is the year of game streaming services. So now Amazon has one too. They do own Twitch. That They do have some credibility in the space. Yep. As they're fond of reminding us. I think the pitch for a gaming streaming service, including the words, we own AWS, is bonkers. Like, no one cares. Yeah. Right? Like, well, Microsoft owns Azure. Google owns Google Cloud. Like, yeah. yeah. But the claim is that like, you can trust them on latency. Right. But you can just buy AWS. Yeah. Like any, like it's the whole point of <laughs> AWS is that anyone can just get the services of AWS. Yeah. Anyway, Peter, walk us through Luna. So uh, it is a, it's a game streaming service. It works very much like Stadia in its technical details. Uh, it's got Windows computers in the cloud. Um, and then you have a game controller that communicates directly to those things via Wi-Fi rather than, you know, via Bluetooth or USB thing to your device. And that allows them to more easily and with less latency work on more devices. So it'll work on Fire TVs, I think PCs and Macs, and um, it's coming to Android phones, but it won't be there at launch, which is interesting. And then very interestingly, when we're going to we're gonna come all the way back around to this baby, it will work on iPhones as a progressive web app. Ooh, I'm very excited to talk about this. Um, <laughs> last, and maybe, like, maybe we should talk about this first, is the business model is uh, not the same as uh, X, uh, Game Pass Ultimate from Microsoft, where it's just like, all you can eat, Microsoft just is going to buy every studio it can to include their stuff. It's not the thing like Stadia where it is uh, a la carte. You've got to buy, you know, the game and there's like maybe a couple free ones, whatever. It is uh, a channel model. It's a cable model. So you get like the games in Amazon's channel, like a Roku channel or a Fire TV channel for its subscription fee. And then you can subscribe to other channels that provide other bundles of games. So uh, I think the first one they've announced is Ubisoft because Ubisoft just like, they'll just work with anybody. They're like the <laughs> Lenovo of game companies. Some some random, like Microsoft or Google are like, hey, we've got an idea for a form factor. We don't know if it's any good. And Lobo's like, we'll do it. We'll make it. Yeah. Um, Have and you like, heard about Ubisoft Assassin's Creed? It's on your platform now. <laughs> it's on everything. Yeah, so Ubisoft is like going to have, they're going to be one of the launch partner channels and presumably there's a bunch more coming. Um so it's an interesting business model, right? So Amazon is like offering money to publishers or, you know, offering channels to publishers. They'll probably take a cut. Who knows what the percentage is? If you want to subscribe to Amazon's thing, you end up in this weird netherworld of like, can I buy a game a la carte? I don't know. Do I want to subscribe to Ubisoft's bundle or do I just want the Luna bundle? And like down the line. Yeah, I mean, I think that the rollout on Fire TVs is interesting, right? They have a massive installed base of Fire TVs. All you really have to do is buy their controller, and then sign up. And now you've got potentially a very good game console. They have to sell all of that to people who are already thinking about spending $500 on a very good game console, right? Because it's where they're in that console cycle now. And who, for better or worse, have been conditioned by Stadia to be like, maybe this won't work. Yeah. And and for the mass market that has never heard of Stadia, um, they have to be very clear about whether or not what the latency is going to feel like, right? Because if, you know, 
I've never heard of Stadia. I go to Amazon.com and like they've got a they've got a game controller. And I can turn my Fire TV into a full on console. That seems great. I'll pay sixty bucks for that. Sure, bam. And then they get it, and then like the thing sucks in the way that uh, you know game streaming services can suck if you don't have incredibly good internet at home. Uh, that's bad for them. So they got to be really careful about that. Yeah, and this is the the the, the controller works the same way, and this kind of leads into the, why they can do it as a progressive web app on the iPhone, right? All that's really happening is they're streaming you a video. And your controller doesn't connect locally to anything. Your controller is directly connected to their cloud service. So you need upstream latency to be very low, and you need downstream latency to be very low. Great way to sell new Euros. Yeah, pretty good way to sell new Euros. But it's like, what can't Amazon fix is Comcast. Yeah. Right? And it like, the Comcast deciding that streaming 4K on Peacock is more important at a network level than low latency gaming. Uh, I'm just going to say the words net neutrality to people, but that's right. That's, that is now a decision Comcast is able to make. I need to disclose a Comcast investor in Vox media, which blah, 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 blah. You understand. Uh, you could say any, any company you want, AT&T, Verizon, Fios. Um, the networks are able to manage their networks in a much more direct way now because net neutrality is gone. All these game streaming services are going to run up against the need for low latency in a way that they cannot guarantee to any customer because they don't know what your network conditions are. Uh, as long as we're disclosing, I'll disclose my wife works for, I think it's called like Facebook Reality Labs now, which makes Oculus, which is technically a game streaming console. And we're talking, or not a game console, and we're talking about games. Um, when you do, so Luna hasn't launched yet. Uh, so you have to sign up for early access, and Amazon does these early access things in different ways for different gadgets. Uh, when you sign up to ask for early access for Luna, it asks you specifically what your up and downstream bandwidth is. So like, wow. Yeah, they're going to limit it to people with good bandwidth to start, maybe. Or, you know, they'll probably, like, want to test a range. Yeah. Um, I just think we're, we're at the point with game streaming services now where there's definitely too many. Yeah. Right? And well, so... Mm, there's, like, four, right? Like, that's too you, many. You love competition. <laughs> I do love competition. <laughs> what but the like, hell, man? Has the... Comp, like, they haven't all launched. They're not in the market. The competition hasn't, like, done the thing where it makes them all better, where your switching costs are low. Right? Like... Yes, there's competition. Um, I do love it. I'm excited for it. I just think you stretch this out into the market. It's like still, in video games, classically, it, it, there's only two. There's two big ones in Nintendo, which like yeah, lives it's in still an alternate un, gigantic universe. Idea is what you're getting at. It's like yeah, there's it's all like, of these coming to the market. It's not proven that this really works well or can give you a really great experience for all the reasons that Dieter mentioned, and and you mentioned with latency and not knowing what your ne- network is but they're still all going to do it. And so like, I can see where that's like, can we just get like one of these to launch and be like, Oh, this is a great idea. It works great. And then the competitors come in and then the prices come down and all that fun stuff. Yeah. It feels like they're all innovating on like pricing models instead of making it work. (laughs) It works. If you are in a certain narrow bandwidth that I am like right on the edge of that narrow bandwidth of having good bandwidth. I have put somewhere in the neighborhood of a hundred hours into stadia and somewhere in the neighborhood of, I would say like, 30 to 40 hours into uh, Game Pass games, Xbox Game Pass games. I have very good fiber at home, um, and I run into a problem like every three ses- gaming sessions. I'll be like, um, and but uh, but uh, two out of the three are like, okay, this is fine. This is great. Uh, I'm not a hardcore gamer. I don't need like, you know, super fast millisecond latency, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but like, it works in a narrow band. And the question is, will it work in a wide band of everybody. Um, but I see what you're doing here, Neil. You're trying to keep me from talking about WebOS. <laughs> <laughs> I am. <laughs> well, I mean, it's amazing that fundamentally these game streaming services are just sending you a video file 
They yeah. don't really need apps, right? Well, it's unclear what they need in order to make a good low-latency game streaming video file work in a browser because Engadget actually got to try Luda briefly. They talked to the, the program managers over or the product managers over at Amazon and Here's a fascinating thing. The WebOS joke, by the way, is that Luna was like a subsystem in WebOS and they made web apps and that's really funny. The interesting thing is Amazon worked with the Safari engineers at Apple to make sure that Safari had the necessary capabilities in order to make Luna good and make Luna work, uh, which means that it didn't and then it did. So there's like something about the latency, something about communicating latency, something about knowing that, uh, I don't know, a Bluetooth, a Wi-Fi uh thing exists on the same Wi-Fi network, maybe. I don't know what precisely they got Safari to do, but they actually had Apple change Safari so that Luna could work, um, which is fascinating uh, because whatever they did, I, I bet you that Microsoft could use it or be interested yeah. in it. Uh, Apple this is doesn't, great for Apple, yeah. right? Apple's saying, don't come at the App Store. The App Store is the App Store. We're mm -hmm. happy to build with you in the open web. Yeah, Look well, we historically, there's been concerns that they are not, that they are yeah. saying, go on and use the open web and make a, a web app. Uh, but then actually, they don't provide the things that a bunch of app people want in a web app. Like, they, Apple cares a lot about security, and they use that as a reason for not putting in certain features, like, I don't know, connecting to Bluetooth or something, right? Um, and so the the interesting thing here is the pressure on the app store, they're trying to use the web as a release valve, but then that forces them to actually improve the capabilities of their web product, which is very interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, it's also Amazon. Like what is the big story with Apple and the app store and the is like, who gets the deals? You know, what Amazon does, they sell a lot of headphones and they get deals and they get deals and they, you know, like they Apple TV app is on the fire TV. Like we, we just walked through the whole deal in the, with the antitrust documents Could a regular, if you were, if you were a, a different kind of competitor to Apple, if you're Google and you want Stadia to work as a web app, is, is Apple going to let its browser team go work closely with Google? To make, no, they're not going to do that. <laughs> right? Like, that's just not going to happen. Um, so that's super interesting. I'm eager to see what this web app looks like. I'm eager to see just basically the install process, right? You still want an icon on your home screen. And so you're going to click on it, and it's going to launch Safari, and it's going to be Safari. And that that's not the best flow. But well. <laughs> the install process is going to be weird. You'll click on it. It'll launch Safari, but it won't have Safari's Chrome. And you could do that right now with an iPhone. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's like, it's still just a little bit less elegant than um, it is for a, just an App Store thing. And th there's also a discovery problem, right? Because people don't think to go look on the web for an app. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I'm, I'm confident Amazon can advertise yeah. on Twitch enough to solve that problem. <laughs> That's fair. feels like they can get a deal. Dan, you mentioned Eero. We should talk, quickly talk about Eero. Um, there's new Eeros. They have Wi-Fi 6. There's, there's People have been waiting for that for a long time. Wi-Fi 6 Eeros. Yeah. Uh, they're like a year later than a lot of their competitors with bringing Wi-Fi 6, but they're here now. They've got two levels. They've got the Eero 6 and then the Eero 6 Pro. So you've got the basic one and the Pro one. Uh, those products are, are, I think, are, are more real than what we talked about earlier with Ring and stuff because those are like shipping the end of October, I believe, or yeah. early November. Um, I can say that personally, as someone who works from home all the time and has to stream video calls all the time, I'm very excited for the new Eros. I'm very excited to try them out. Uh, I've tested some Wi-Fi 6 routers in the past, and there's a lot of speed uh, that you can get out of them, but the user experience is always kind of, kind of janky. Uh, so I'm very curious as to uh, if Eero 
uh, is able to make a better user experience. I know, I know, already know they do with the, the Wi-Fi five. Uh, I spoke to Nick Weaver real briefly. Uh, he's the CEO of, of Eero. Uh, after the event yesterday, he answered some really crucial questions I had. Like, yes, you can mix and match the new Eros with old Eros. So if you're uh, an existing Eero customer, you can buy the Wi-Fi six Eros and just add them to your network, uh, which is something that you can't do with any other mesh network that I'm aware of. So that's right. and they and they don't degrade. They they're still they don't degrade. 6. Right. You, they won't make your whole network Wi-Fi 6. It will be Wi-Fi 6 when your device, like your phone or your computer, is talking to a Wi-Fi 6 Eero. And if it talks to a Wi-Fi 5 Eero, it'll be Wi-Fi 5. Uh, and then yeah. the link between a Wi-Fi 5 Eero and a Wi-Fi 6 Eero will be a Wi-Fi 5 connection. Because that was one of the original problems with Wi-Fi 6, right? Is If like, you had a Wi-Fi 6 network and like uh, uh, a Wi-Fi 5 device like whistling down the street, for a half a second, then you would like degrade to Wi-Fi five until everything was Wi-Fi six again, right? No, but like, you're well, solve I mean, that the, problem. The Wi-Fi six is backwards compatible. So if you have Wi-Fi five devices, they will connect to a Wi-Fi five Wi-Fi six network, no problem. They'll just run at Wi-Fi five speeds. But if you have Wi-Fi six devices, you will get Wi-Fi six benefits. But the real benefit to Wi-Fi six, especially in a mesh network context, is that it allows much faster connections between the individual nodes. So you can have, if you've got gigabit internet service at home, you probably know that if, over Wi-Fi, you're not getting gigabit internet speeds. Part of that is because your device can't go that fast. Part of it is because the mesh nodes have to transfer the data and pass it along and it gets bottlenecked there. Wi-Fi 6 opens up those bottlenecks a lot and it really helps uh, uh, with the bandwidth there. So uh, there's a lot like happening with these. They're very interesting and cool. They're a little bit different form factor. Uh, the Eero beacons are gone. So if you had those from a couple of years ago, they don't have an option for that. These have to be like plugged into the wall with a wire and you set it up on a counter or shelf or something like that. Uh, some of them have ethernet ports. Some of them don't, depending on which level you get. Uh, and what was the other thing? There's something else that I wanted to say about them as well. And I can't remember. <laughs> but What's uh, interesting the regular and the pro? So the difference between the regular and the pro is the regular is only two band, um, which is means that it has a 2.4 gigahertz and five gigahertz. Your devices will connect to it just fine. The pro has a third dedicated backhaul band, which is what it uses to communicate between the networks. So if you have gigabit internet service at home, you're going to want to step up to the pro. You're already paying for gigabit internet. You might as well pay more for the pro uh, experience to make use of that bandwidth. If you have anything less than gigabit, if your internet service is 400 megabits, 300 megabits, 200 megabits, you're not really going to gain anything by going with the pro, at least from a, an internet connection speed uh, perspective. You can probably go with the less expensive ones. And they are pretty inexpensive. I think the three pack of the uh, base models is $279 or so, which is pretty aggressive for Wi-Fi 6. Uh, a three pack of the pros is more like $600, which is where we're seeing a lot of the premium Wi-Fi 6 routers at. So it is an investment for sure. Um, but again, if you are an existing Eero customer, maybe you don't need three new Wi-Fi 6 Pros because you can kind of mix and match with what you have and, and make it work to cover your home. So it's all pretty interesting. Uh, the other thing that Nick told me is that these are not Wi-Fi 6E, which you may have heard about. That is a yet another oh Wi-Fi 6 standard that God is coming damn it. later. So these are Wi-Fi 6, not 6E. Uh, they should call them so. 7. I just... <laughs> <laughs> you you switch to numbers for a reason. Use the numbers. Yeah, eight hundred two eleven axe. Yeah, it's 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 bonkers to try and wrap your head around. But I don't. I'm not aware of any really Wi-Fi six e devices on the uh, that are available at this point. Anyways, there are plenty of Wi-Fi six devices. Every iPhone since last year is. All the current uh, laptops are things like that. So, 
there's a lot of uh, uh, Wi-Fi six devices out there, and uh, it's pretty interesting to see. Do we know if the Xbox and PS five are Wi-Fi six? The Xbox is not. I am not sure about the PS five. Okay, I mean it's just like that's the as as we push. That's the thing that drives most bandwidth in your house usually is your game console, right? So yeah, absolutely. um, You're still gonna want to hardwire those probably if you if you if you have the option to do that. I'm going to start selling like a 20 pack of ethernet cables on Amazon really <laughs> Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi H Wi-Fi hardwire. That's my new thing. I'm be a millionaire. All right. We got to take a break. We got to really quickly talk about uh, our iOS reviews. We'll be right back. We're back. Dieter, how customized is your iOS 14 home screen? I have been too friggin' busy reviewing the Apple Watch, and it's not done yet, and I promise it'll be done soon, uh, to go hard on the uh, the widget stuff. Uh, but the widget stuff is fascinating. So if you don't know, like, you could put widgets on iOS 14, and, like, widgets let you make, like, Safari or Siri shortcuts that, like, you can customize the look of the icon. So you are now finally able to, like, put whatever kind of theme you want on your iPhone home screen. Uh, you can do anything you want as long as it's not having an icon in the lower right with nothing in the upper left, because <sighs> Apple. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, it has to flow in. Um, but yeah, but the problem is if you use these shortcuts, uh, because it's using the Siri shortcut system, it needs to like cycle through to the Siri shortcut screen before it'll cycle into the app. Uh, so you like, you've just, you've taken your ultra fast, fastest processor ever put in a portable device gadget in the history of mankind thing. And you've added like a two second delay every time you launch an app in order the to trick, do this. Uh, the trick uh, the teens have told me is you turn on reduce motion and accessibility. Oh, and, and then, then you, you, you don't get the animation yeah, of yeah. the apps opening. So it just <laughs> beeps at you. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing what's happening right now. I like that. Uh, this is like, I love this whole trend. I, my niece told me she spent six hours customizing her I, iPhone home screen. It looks crazy. It's amazing. Um, people are sending it. People are tweeting us amazing ones. Did you see the one where every app is a picture of the CEO? Yes, of the that one was it's great. Like, perfect, <laughs> beautiful. Um, this is this is such a great example of emergent behaviors that companies had no idea would happen. Like Apple demos shortcuts, and they're like, you can make a routine that you you say, hey Siri, search for my AirPods, and like. What I, no one's ever going to do it. Instead, it's like teenagers on TikTok have customized their home screens to be exactly about One Direction, and Apple's like, "Well, crap. <laughs> we, we knew we never wanted anyone to theme it, but they use shortcuts to theme their. I love it. It's great. So what the, what I love is like the iPhone launches, and um, I'm just imagining uh, the meeting where they're like. You see what happened to MySpace? Never to us. We're never <laughs> allowing that. We're never going to let the the mess that is custom MySpace homepages happen to the iPhone homepage. And uh, yep, nope, that that's where you live now, Apple. Good job. Congrats. <laughs> yeah, I love it, it. But yeah, it's funny that um, it started with widgets, which are like the big iOS fourteen thing. There's an app called Widget Smith, which you know just sort of became the center of the whole thing because you can make custom widgets with custom fonts. And that just exploded into the shortcuts thing. And it's so funny that people, when we were reviewing iOS 14, it's like, oh, there's not a lot here. I was like, widgets on the home screen. Cool. And now everyone's like, iOS supports theming. It's like, no. <laughs> uh-uh. That's not, that's not that what's at all. It's doing a lot of lift there in that sentence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but it's great. I, I, you know, I, 
it, this is one of those things where you're laughing at me about wanting competition before any Android phone can look as crazy as you want it to, but yeah. no one is switching to make crazy home screens. You give them the capability, even in this crazy sideways way, and they're going to do it and do things you don't expect. And like, this is a cultural moment that's enabled by very janky technology. Yeah. Imagine if they just gave people the capability. It's weird how, how you have to build up the desire for it to turn into this thing. Mm-hmm. As opposed to if it had always been there, no one would have been. I guess teenagers would have always done it. But it's just weird that it became a moment because they prevented it for so long. Yeah, I mean, if you want to have um, your faith in uh, humanity's ability to uh, make good design, just go visit the uh, Samsung Galaxy theming store <laughs> and look at the most popular page. And you'll be like, oh, nobody knows what they're doing. Oh. Okay. The teenagers are doing a great job with the iPhone. All right, so that's... I would say that's the top line of the iOS 14 review. Like, is there's iPad stuff to talk about, but I, I mean, I don't know. I have iOS 14. I used half a widget one time. Mm-hmm. Everything about it seems very much the same to me. I, it's very uh, very samey. I I don't I haven't spent the time to customize icons and stuff like that, but I use the widgets a lot. Like, I was super thrilled to be able to stick a calendar widget on my home screen, so I knew when it was coming up. And I've got a weather widget, and then like I've got a, an email widget, but. The thing that's really I've, I've observed is that, and I think this ties back to the fact that Apple basically gave developers one day notice on their uh, iOS 14 final release. Uh, I look at how many widgets I have available. I've got like 200 apps on my phone and there are 14 apps that support widgets right now. Yeah. Normally, there would be dozens of apps taking advantage of these new features uh, and I'm just not seeing it. And, it. and we're still like, what are we, a couple weeks out now from the release and it's still only like, a handful of apps that are really, really leveraging it. So uh, I'm curious to see where it goes. Maybe there will be like more developers will come out with more options for widgets and things like that, and, and they'll become more useful. But right now, I like the calendar, I like weather, and I like my email inbox. That's, but it's like, we're so boring. It's so teenagers boring. Out there making full custom themes. I yeah. know. You just so get a smartwatch. Put your calendar on your watch. It'll be fine. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say a thing. And uh, at the end of the story is uh, Neil crying in the corner. Oh, God. I think that every widget system has like two to three years in it, and then it degrades and uh, it gets it gets like abandoned and it bereft and like it doesn't get maintained and it dies. Um, and this happened to Android, and it absolutely happened to the dashboard on the Mac. Um, and it sort of happened even to the dash the the sidebar thing on the Mac. Um, I think it happened to all sorts of different versions of, of weird little, you know, widgety informational things on Windows Windows and Windows 10. Um, and so my question is, you only see 14 available widgets now. It'll, you know, in six months, it'll be, you know, 100. But my question is, what's it going to look like in two years? And my hunch is that uh, unless uh, Apple is able to pull off something that nobody's ever pulled off in the history of computing, that this widget ecosystem is going to be kind of meh in two years. It's funny because I just calendar widget. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, right? What are what are these widgets really? They're status displays, and there are many apps that want to just show you a status display. It's funny because I just said get a smartwatch, but what are Apple Watch apps but widgets? Yeah, and like the entire Apple Watch ecosystem is like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, I'm in the process of viewing the Apple Watch, Mm -hmm. and um, I disagree. Really? The Apple Watch app ecosystem is actually much better than people give it credit for these days. There's like a bunch of stuff, like the stuff that I would want on a watch is basically there. It's just not 
good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, okay. But the complications I don't think you've gotten out of the realm of like, the complications are pretty good. And yeah. so, yeah. like you know, I, I wish there was more uh, options for uh, different Apple Watches or you know, creating your own Apple Watch uh, watch face. That would be nice. Um, but you can't. What you can do is like give yourself four different Apple Watches for like different four different kinds of activities that you engage in. And because those apps exist, they have complications, which are wow. you know, either a button to launch the app quickly or just a little bit of status information. Yeah. And so uh, in the past year, I have, without it, noticing it, found myself using like a half dozen Apple Watch apps like all the time. And I had, I it didn't, wasn't like, oh, wow, this is good now. It's just like slowly accreted to the point where I've got you know, three, four, five Apple Watch apps that I'm just using. Yeah, and well, you're, you're using them through the complications, like you mentioned. Like my experience is, I'm not going the to the app list yeah. and scrolling and tapping or using the the honeycomb grid or whatever and launching apps. I am looking at my list. Oh, I've got an upcoming appointment, and I tap that to see what the details are, and that takes me all the way into the appointment of the app, uh, past the like launch process and everything. Like that's the interaction model with it. And and to your Dieter's point. That's meant that there's a lot of Apple Watches now that you need, or Apple Watch apps that you need installed on the watch to power all of that experience. Yeah. Can I tell you the saddest uh, part of this, like, give yourself multiple watch faces for multiple tasks thing? I've made a cooking watch face, and I specifically chose the cooking watch face because it has, on the watch face itself, the ability to start a stopwatch, which means that I can have the watch face to stopwatch, the stopwatch app complication, and a timer complication. So I can have two stopwatches and a timer, which is literally the only way to get multiple timers going <laughs> on the Apple Watch. And that's what I do. And, and, and now with Watch OS 7, Dieter can share that watch face with all of you listeners. I could, yeah. <laughs> we should sell it on Etsy. <laughs> that's what they're doing with the theme packs. Let's do it. Uh, we should talk about the iPad too. iPad OS is out. They added Scribble. It's only good for short little bits of text. Uh, they released the eighth generation base iPad. Uh, I think it is. Um, I, my review's up. You can go look at it. But it is uh, bordering on criminal that they only offer it with 32 gigs at the base storage and that there's no multi user for this thing. It's like, I'm tired of. And that's not even like freaking out about USB C, which is what you expect from me on the Vergecast. Mm-hmm. Um, not even getting into that. Uh, they need. It, I'm tired of uh, giving them a pass on those two problems. Yeah, I mean, the iPad is one of those things where they keep. I, I said this in the iPad Pro review like two years ago. They keep saying like it's a new product, and it is just not anymore. Like it is the thing that it is. It is nearly a decade old. You can't be like it's a baby. Like sorry, like you've made your choices and here they are. And like, you're not learning how people use iPads. You absolutely know. I will say that like the base model being cheap, if you are buying this thing as a Netflix machine or the one your kids are going to break is like, that's good. But you do hit that 32 gigs, like almost instantly Mm -hmm. just with video caching. Like it just happens to video apps over time. Uh, You want to talk about this Fitbit sense and then we can get out of here. Sure. Yeah. So I guess the Fitbit Sense is is remarkable in that it is the counterpart to the Series Six with mm-hmm. blood oxygen monitoring and all this stuff. Fitbit packed a bunch of sensors into this. They're charging basically Apple Watch prices for it. It's like three hundred and thirty dollars. That's about what you'll pay for an Apple Watch at this point. Uh, and it's still a Fitbit smartwatch. So <laughs> I would not buy this if you want to buy a smartwatch. If you want like advanced health tracking stuff and you're in the Fitbit ecosystem, it's great. 
the watch, uh, the blood oxygen monitoring system is not great. Uh, it only works through a singular watch face and you can't do on-demand blood oxygen measurement. It only measures in the background while you're sleeping, uh, which is odd. Um, but to the same point, We've seen, uh, I think Dieter is seeing this in his experience with the Series 6. We've seen a lot of other reporting around how the Series 6's blood oxygen monitor is not super accurate or helpful uh, and is kind of unreliable. So the fact that you can't do on-demand blood oxygen monitoring with the Fitbit is probably an okay thing. Uh, But it's still a Fitbit. So like, it's not hugely different from uh, uh, the Versa before it, except it just has a few more sensors built into it. And our experience right now it's kind of buggy. The the animations are janky. They removed the actual one physical button that was on the uh, verses and replaced it with this like capacitive thing that really doesn't work that well. Uh, so they've got some some work ahead. You can apparently buy it now, but I would probably wait till they start ironing out a lot of these bugs that we experienced. Here's my question. Uh, by the way, everything Dan said about the the blood oxygen thing on the Apple Watch is true. Um, Having seen a couple generations now of Fitbit products uh, since Google announced it wants to buy Fitbit, what do you think Google thinks it's buying? <laughs> I know I'm I'm dead serious. Are they buying I mean, the hardware buying shops? Are they loyal, buying software? What are they doing? Loyal user base. It's buying a network. Like I wear a Fitbit tracker on my opposite wrist. Uh, I don't care about the smartwatch features. I care about the, the fitness tracking features. And I've got a database of, uh, I've been wearing it every day for X number of years. And I've got a large database. I'm like in that ecosystem. I'm a user. So like Google would be buying all of that on the smartwatch side of things. I have no idea what they think they're buying, but at least from like the fitness tracker, the loyal user base, there's a lot yeah, of Fitbit and- fans out there. That's what and, and what is the what is the thing? The Apple Watch is still, no matter how good your collection of timer apps on that watch face is, Dieter. Uh, what is, the Apple Watch is still notifications and fitness. That's the thing it does. And like Google buying a little bit of a head start in the fitness, like at least makes them. I don't know. I I agree with you. Also, we don't know if that deal's going to close. Like, still <laughs> antitrust review, right? So, um, but that's what you would be buying is a head start in the fitness when you know that's the ki- one of the two killer apps. For your big competitor. All right. Apple Watch 6, you haven't done the review yet, but you're gonna, right? Uh, yeah, it's it's happening. I'm, I, I promise I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna, gonna finish it. It's gonna happen. Usually I assign you stories in here. I'm just gonna assign you the thing you've already promised to do. <laughs> <laughs> we'll also um, uh, have... Uh, Dieter's working on the Series 6. I've got the SE. I'm also testing family setup. Um, so uh, we, are, we are getting some real-world experience using family setup, which is one of the more interesting things out of the Apple Watch announcement this year. Uh, so stay tuned for that. I've just, I guess, given myself a deadline. So Yeah. Dan has strapped an Apple Watch to a child. I, I have. Amazing. Yes. The things we do for The Verge. And then Joanna's going to be on, on the Tuesday show, right? Yeah, so... Uh, as everybody probably knows by now, Neil has a brand new podcast that's coming called Decoder. Uh, so he's busy developing that, which means I'm taking over the, the Tuesday show for a little while. And we're trying to do deep dives on hardware reviews. And the idea is we do the hardware review and then we give you the director's notes to it by me talking to somebody else who's reviewed the thing. Uh, this time we're going to do it before I've reviewed it, but you know, it'll be fine. Uh, so Joanna's going to come on. We're going to do a really deep dive on the process of reviewing the Apple Watch and what it's like to review the Apple Watch and just stuff that didn't make it into our full reviews that are going to go up on our websites. So uh, check that out on Tuesday. Very good. I'm excited to get a window into join as video pitch process. Oh, yeah. 
be me. Like, what yep. food is this shaped like? That's, really, <laughs> that's when you know it's that's when you know a product is doomed when Joanna's like, it looks like a food. What yeah, uh, what piece of food right. am I gonna slap on the screen of this? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I love it. That'll be very exciting. All right, as we've gone over, it was inevitable. It's funny that Amazon managed to do all this in an hour and <laughs> we needed an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so it goes. I will uh, tell you, you can, we talked more about Eero than Amazon did. <laughs> sure did. Uh, you can tweet at us. Dan is at DC Seifert. Dieter's at Backlon. I'm at Reckless. We love hearing from you. Dieter's show coming out on Tuesday. That's going to happen. I am working on Decoder. You can you can just go subscribe to the Recode Decode feed, and Decoder will take it over. So go listen to that. Kara's got like her, her greatest hits up on that feed right now. So go subscribe, listen to Kara's greatest hits, and then I, you know, I will... Um, I will match that standard. Sure. Definitely going to do that. That's going to be great. Very excited about that. Go subscribe to all that stuff. Uh, I mentioned Mary Beth's newsletter at the beginning, antivirus, verge.com slash antivirus. That is just a weekly roundup of vaccine news, virus treatment news. We're trying to make just a single trusted resource so you're not buffeted by crazy all the time. Verge.com slash antivirus. It's very good. Uh, has certainly given me a perspective on all the stuff that's going on. That's it. We've gone too long. Rock and roll. Hey, make a plan to vote. And wear a mask. <laughs>